It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? It is your Monday episode of Locked On Raptors. Sean here with you as always, and I'm joined by Vivek Jacob for his usual Monday spot on the podcast as well, of course, from Raptors.com. And we're talking about a one-in-one weekend for your Toronto Raptors that featured many, many extremes. We saw a really excellent second and third quarter performance against the Wizards on Friday. We saw a bit of a hairy fourth quarter against the Wizards as well. And we saw an absolute nightmare of a first half against the Blazers give way to a pretty inspired second half that came up just short we're going to talk about all of it we're going to discuss the Raptors issues issues with zone defense we're going to talk about surely the minutes burden on their main guys and we'll round out the show with the dudes of the game for both Friday and Sunday's contest that's all coming up on today's episode of Locked On Raptors thanks for being here oh like because when I shot I expected to make it so like I don't shoot trying to miss you are Locked On Raptors part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1102, I think, of Locked On Raptors for Monday, January the 24th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. And, of course, you can subscribe to, follow, rate, review the podcast for free on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can also find Locked On Raptors on YouTube for free. Go Please hit that big red subscribe button. It's very much appreciated when you go ahead and do that. And as always, a big thank you for making Lockdown Raptors your first listen of the day. All right, let's get to it. A one-on-one weekend for your Toronto Raptors against the Wizards and Blazers. Pretty promising way to close out the road trip on Friday. Close it out two and three. Really, the way you take it, you definitely take it the way it all went down with the close games against some good teams to win over the Bucks, even with that loss to the Pistons, not a lost cause. But then they come home and lay themselves an egg against the Blazers on Sunday. And Vivek Jacob is here to discuss it from Raptors.com. Big V, how you doing, man? This team is uh, impossible to figure out, man. <laughs> uh, I mean, I feel like they're pretty much who you'd expect, right? Like this is a young team, so there's going to be highs and there's going to be some disappointing lows and that's just the way the season has gone all, all along right like mm-hmm. even when we were talking about the prop bets uh, and reviewing them the other day we were like yeah you, you expect them to compete against good teams but you also expect them to lose some very winnable games and mm-hmm. that's just the way the season uh has played out uh and yeah it, it's it's part of i guess being a young team and just you know, uh, certain nights not being able to maintain that level of intensity and compete and all that. Um, and you look at this last game against Portland, it's like the way they came out in the second half. It's like, mm-hmm. why wasn't that there to start the game? And who knows? Who knows? Maybe, <laughs> maybe you know, getting beat by OKC and 
beat by Detroit. Uh, all of those things haven't been enough to teach them a lesson. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just the way the season has gone, and I expect it to continue uh, for the remaining uh, whatever's left in the second half of the season as well. Yeah, I say it's a tough team to figure out, but like you know, we've seen the same script that we saw on Sunday. Just it was, it was just a more extreme version of the script we've seen for the last year and a half. Really, the fake comeback, you know, a special where they get it back to within something manageable with a couple minutes left and lose steam because it's hard to maintain all the way to pull off a thirty-four point comeback. As it turns out. And yeah, there was just no margin for error in that second half, despite some really inspired play. I thought Pascal Siakam was awesome, for example. I thought the defense really kind of ratcheted up. Fred Van Vliet just doing the Lord's work in the full court press as a little diminutive man just bothering people for 94 feet. It was a lot of fun in the second half. The first half was a nightmare. And I think, you know, we got we're going to get into some elements of this game or this weekend, really. And I think there was sort of a through line as it relates to how the Raptors picked apart zone defense or, or did not pick apart zone defenses against the Wizards late in that one and then early against the Blazers. We'll get to that coming up. But before we dive into that conversation, we should just do what we do off of the top of every big uh, or every game recap episode, Big V. And we're kind of tying in two games here. What were your biggest takeaways from the Raptors weekend where they go one and one, but look kind of uninspiring in a lot of the process? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think my biggest takeaway would be uh, the more big picture in mm-hmm. terms of the fact that you look at the ups and downs of this team and it's also you know, hey, you're asked to play a very demanding style of basketball. And so when you're all the way in it and, you know, you're applying ball pressure all over the court and you're forcing the Wizards into a bunch of backcourt violations and, uh, uh, you know, you're able to, you know, cause some panic in the Blazers' backcourt as well um, with the full-court press, it looks amazing. Um, But then there's very simple breakdowns. Uh, that you see, obviously, the corner threes have been something that's been talked about this season and last season, and you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just part of Nick Nurse's defensive schemes, uh, and and that's presented its own issues. And then, obviously, we can get into the offense and how they struggle against zone defenses. Yeah, yeah, I, I think for me, sort of big picture takeaways is like. I, Look, I'm, I've been trying not to ring the alarm too loud about the minutes and the extra burden on these guys just because, like, it does seem like there's some input from the players going in with Nick Nurse. And, you know, Nurse talked, I think, on Friday before the Wizards game about how, you know, the guys who are playing a lot of minutes love it. And that is certainly, you know, to be taken into account when you're evaluating this whole situation. But I think when you're looking at Fred Van Vliet, his struggles from three lately, you know, maybe it's just the slump. That's the shooters go into slumps and that's totally understandable. But you have to look at the minutes that he's played recently and not think like, boy, uh, maybe this is something to do with his offensive output kind of going on the downturn here. Like it's hard not to draw those connections and we need more time to know if that is what's in fact happening here, for sure. There's no conclusions to be drawn, but I, I think it's certainly clear that, you know, we even saw it in the second half against the Blazers. The way they play is just so demanding. And I'm not terribly surprised that Pascal Siakam looked like the freshest of the bunch in the in the back part of this game because he had foul trouble in the first half. Only played 34 minutes. And lo and behold, he's like filling in the bucket with like reckless abandon in the late going in that game. Like, 
I don't know. It's hard to draw any sort of conclusions in such a small sample and with, you know, all of the caveats at play. Like, the Raptors are only winning games because they're playing guys like this, and the conversation would be totally different if they weren't. Uh, where do you where do you stand on this whole sort of overtaxing of the main guys? Because it's clearly happening. Like they're being asked to do so so much, and Siakam and Fred in particular aren't just the linchpins of the offense, but they're probably the two most important defenders on the team right now as well. There's just a lot going on for these guys, and it's hard to anticipate them being able to continue like a high level of efficiency on offense going forward if they're being taxed to this level overall. So like we we've gone we're blue in the face at this point talking about. All right, which bench guys should play? Should they go make a deal at the deadline? But like, are, are, do you worry that the overextension of these guys and their heavy minutes burden and their heavy just on court burden at all times is going to potentially spell doom for any sort of quest for the sixth seed or something like that? Uh, you know, I, I think the problem is you kind of get visions of that. 2014-15 season where right. so much on Kyle Lowry's plate that you've got <laughs> both seasons and he just had nothing left, right? His body was yeah. pretty much broken down and you make all the Fred Van Vliet Kyle Lowry comparisons and you fear that that would be the case, right? Sure. Um, I, I, I think, you know, when Nick says uh, that the players love it and they're fully on board with it, it's also a situation where as a coach uh, and wh- whoever is around him uh, that he's just having these discussions with in terms of the coaching staff, uh, you've got to also, you know, protect your players too, right? Mm-hmm. When you, you talk to Pascal and Fred and OG about, hey, we need you to play more minutes, um, guess what? They are going to say yes because, number one, <laughs> they want to win, mm-hmm. right? They want to win the game <laughs> and they know that them being out there on the court is going to give them the best chance to win. So first and foremost, they're going to be in favor of that. Secondly, they're making a push for the all-star game, right? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> playing 40 minutes and get, getting those those uh, raw stats, that's going to help them. Um, yeah. That's going to help them when it comes to their next contract too. So uh, it's really hard for them to see the downside. Um and so, you know, you take some really competitive guys and say, hey, we need you to play as much as possible to, to win the basketball game. They're probably not going to be as, you know, long term inclined right now, mm-hmm. especially after the season they just went through in Tampa. Sure. They're trying sure. to win as much as they can and get rid of the stench of that season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think this is something that Nick Nurse is going to have to be mindful of uh, at the same time. Guys on the bench just have to do better, right? Yeah. You look at where Chris Boucher was uh, the first month of the season. He has earned his way into, you know, being the most consistent performer off the bench now and mm-hmm. the most dependable option. And so someone else has to find that, whether it's Utah Watanabe, whether it's Justin Champagne, um, Steve Bailuk might be in the doghouse right now. So, uh, you know, him and Malachi probably have a lot of story story time together um but, <laughs> but yeah. and matt malachi aren't in the doghouse they're like in the basement beneath the doghouse like <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah just yeah. soaking up groundwater yeah um yeah so so either someone's gotta you know figure something out off the bench or they, they they're gonna have to figure something out in a trade yeah 
Yeah, I, I think I'm at the point now where I don't think this formula is sustainable for them to go and win the 45 games or so it might be necessary to get the six seed. So they're at to change it in some way, whether it's getting those bench contributions or getting some kind of outside help, which I'm fully on board with. Give me Terrence Ross, baby. We know this, this is that is your daily uh, go get Terrence Ross uh, <laughs> moment here on Locked on Raptors. I got to get that sponsored or something. Uh, we're going to continue on here, Big V, and I want to talk about the Raptors struggles with zone defense because boy that's been a thing the last couple of games in two of their worst quarters we've seen in quite a while we will get into that in just one second here but first i want to tell you about our friends over at Truebill. do you know why free trials renew without your consent it is because it's a business scam out to get you don't let greedy corporations pocket your money download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions today Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't want need or you simply forgot about on average people save up to 720 bucks a year with Truebill. You all have done this before. You've signed up for some kind of free trial for some sort of product, and then you use it to get the one use that you really want out of it, and then you totally forget to cancel, and then all of a sudden, 31 days later, you get that email saying your card has been charged for you know this silly company you decided to sign up for and forgot to cancel. Truebill is here, so that doesn't happen for you. They will identify those subscriptions that you do not want, and they will cancel them so you don't have to pay pay that money anymore and your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel and want subscriptions as well so you don't have to. Truebill has over 2 million users and it's helped them save over $100 million. It is a wonderful, wonderful way to save yourself some money. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now to Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And before we continue on here with Big V, uh, just a reminder, uh, A, to thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Second, on the NBA trade deadline, February 10th at 3 p.m. Eastern, that is when the deadline is, from 2 to 4 p.m., Locked on NBA will be covering it live. You can join Kim Becker, John Corrales, past and future guests of this podcast, Locked on Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd, and NBA veteran Antonio Daniels. I, I said veteran like I'm Jack Armstrong there. My apologies. Uh, you can get analysts of er- analysis this is a very blockbuster move with that wonderful panel. Subscribe to Locked On NBA on YouTube and turn your notifications on so you know when they go live. All right, Big V, let's continue on here. Zone defense. It's been a struggle for the Raptors to break apart in the last couple games. In the fourth quarter against the Wizards, the Wizards zoned up hard. The Raptors scored 18 points, almost blew a pretty substantial lead going into the fourth quarter. They were up, what, 14 going into the fourth, and it got pretty hairy until Fred Van Vliet ended the game and OG Ananobi had that offensive rebound dagger. Against the Blazers on Monday, the Blazers goes uh, zone heavy once again in the first quarter. The Raptors score 15 points, a season low, I believe, for a single quarter. It was really, really rough stuff for the Raptors against the zone over the weekend. So, Big V, I got to ask you, what's the deal with the zone? 
is it something the Raptors can fix? Is there some sort of solution within the construct of this team? Or is it just life when you don't really have that many shooters that you're going to be prone to getting crushed by zones? Yeah, it's it's the simplest answer. When you don't have enough shooting out there, you, you are going to run into these problems. And when you look at the Raptors' three-point shooting, uh, I've said this before, you have three players that you can depend on, right? Mm-hmm. That when they get an open shot, you expect it to go down. Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., OG Ananobi, right? Everyone else, it's you hope, right? They get the open shot, you hope, it goes in, great. Um, and, you know, I was just looking at some numbers. Uh, catch and shoot threes, right? Yeah. Uh, Fred Van Vliet on the season, 47%. Gary Trent Jr., Jesus. 39.9%. OG Ananobi, 38.5%. Mm-hmm. And then you, you go beyond that. Okay, Pascal Siakam is actually respectable at 34%. That's like, okay. That's like, yeah. Just uh, around league average. This year. I think league average is like 34.8 or something like that. Right. Yeah. But after that, you've got Chris Boucher at 29%. You've got Scotty Barnes at 28%. You've got Svi Mihailuk at 31.6%. Uh, Precious Achua, 26%. Malachi Flynn and the few shots he's taken, 30%, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Delano Banton, 31.6%. Shout out Justin Champagne. He's at 40.9%. Um, and uh, I didn't mention Utah Watanabe, but he is at 36.5%. Mm-hmm. But one of the things with him is, you know, shooting the corner three versus shooting uh, above the break. And so right. he's at 45% on corner threes. He is at 20% on non-corner threes, right? right? And so all these things feed how a defense wants to attack you, right? And yeah, we can also be encouraged that Pascal's gotten uh, got a respectable number, but guess what? More often than, than not, he's the one kicking out to guys that need to yeah. get done, right? Yeah. So I think that's just uh, a situation that the Raptors have because of their roster. And until they get more shooters on board, until some of these guys can hit more of these shots, teams teams are going to poke at that weakness, and they're going to force uh, the Raptors into taking those types of shots. And the other thing too is those guys who get the ball on those kickouts, if they don't even take the shot, like say if it happens to be a pump fake or you know it's a poor closeout, and they go to attack none of those guys are really scaring the opponent off the dribble. Yeah. So you're as a defense, you're okay with that. And so you're not necessarily threatening on both ends of that. And I think that's what the biggest problem is when you go up against a zone defense. Yeah. And I mean, the thing too, is that it kind of complicates things even further. And we saw this in the first quarter in particular last night where the Blazers were just running down the Raptors throats is, when you're in a zone and you're chucking up threes the way you are hoping to bust it, the Raptors took 54 threes last night. Like, that is just insane volume. And, and like, what did they hit? 11 of them? No, they hit 18, so they were 33%. But again, the volume is insane. When you're missing 36 threes, that's 36 long-ass rebounds that are coming out. And those are the types of rebounds that kill you because you're probably not grabbing those as much as you're grabbing the missed bunnies around the basket, which the Raptors are grabbing all the time. They're incredible on the offensive glass and close, but threes don't really 
drive offensive rebounding. And so you're being put on your heels and you're seeing this sort of negative feedback loop where the Raptors are having horrible offensive possessions. They're not getting any buckets out of them and they're actually setting up the opponent to get it on the run because of the rebounds they're giving up because of those missed threes. It's just a really, really difficult cycle to break. And so, yeah, like, a, it's just going to require guys shoot better, and it was nice to see Chris Boucher a couple times last night knock down a couple. It's He's only at 29% still on the season, though it feels like he's been kind of climbing that up for a little while here, so maybe that's someone you can look at, you know, kind of addressing the problem here. But I don't think shooting is really going to be what fixes this team unless they go and get someone at the deadline, and I guess that means... They kind of have to change their approach a little bit and maybe get a little less reliant on the super heavy volume from downtown. And like in theory, they have some interesting guys who you can use as that sort of middle of the floor zone buster to, you know, find cutters on the baseline to get their own shot from the nail. And in particular, Scotty Barnes kind of features as a, as a guy who could be that to me. He didn't really get a lot of run in that fourth quarter as like sort of a, a key cog in the offense. I believe he only he didn't hit a shot in that fourth quarter. Of course, he scored a career high 27 points, which was incredible. And he's amazing. And we love Scotty Barnes. And go listen to Friday's episode with Samson Folk, which was a great uh, lead in to Scotty's 27 point night on Friday. Um, but you know, is there a way there that you think they can kind of get by like hunting twos with sort of like, uh, all right, just crash the paint type of philosophy? We've seen this a couple times where they at times will have like three guys inside the restricted area and it just happens to work for them. Like, do they have to get unorthodox with this here? And how do you think Scotty Barnes in particular can kind of be a vessel in the middle of the floor? Maybe you're not relying on him to knock down catch and shoot threes, but instead you can use his vision and his ability to score from in close as a way to maybe counter the things that have gone wrong for you so far in the zone. Yeah, I think both Scotty and Pascal fit the bill in terms of mm -hmm. trying to attack from the nail. Uh, the one thing that's been a little tough is... I thought there were multiple occasions, uh, especially against the Blazers, where they got into position at the nail and the ball couldn't even find a way to them, right? Because right. of how clogged the paint was. And you know, I think I think Nurkic did a good job of sort of saying, "Hey, I'm going to commit here in this mid-range zone. Uh, you know, I'm not going to give too much space. And if they beat me off the dribble, I'll catch up with them and I'll block the shot." He did that multiple times where. They, they were able to beat him off the dribble, but guess what? By the time they got to the rim, uh, he was right there with them uh, blocking the shot. So mm -hmm. uh, I think that's a little bit of a problem. Um, I think, you know, when they're able to, especially Scotty Barnes, when he's able to get the ball against someone that he can use his strength mm -hmm. and post up and really get deep, that's when you see, uh, defensive struggle defenses collapse uh, and uh, and him honestly just be able to rise up and go up right mm -hmm. he's not going to be able to go uh, do that going up against a Yusuf Nurkic right uh, yeah so again uh, that's a bit of a roster construction issue uh that's a bit of a spacing issue where you know you've got to be able to find a way to get the ball to the dude operating from the nail and then you know Pascal and Scotty should be able to either trust their mid-range shot um mm -hmm or get deep enough into the paint uh, where they're able to cause the defense to have some poor reactions. Yeah. I mean, in theory you'd think, and you know, this is a really good point by you is like th they had the ingredients to kind of do it in the first quarter against the Blazers last night with that small ball lineup. I mean, that's kind of the, the reason you play that lineup is you have Scotty kind of as your nominal center or Pascal, and then you've got your three knockdown shooters around them. In theory, that should kind of be, 
a zone proof lineup, but it just was not in that game against the Blazers. And it'll be certainly something to watch here. And I'm curious, like how that specific weakness kind of creeps in here. Maybe other teams start adopting it against the Raptors. We saw the Heat do it last week. The Heat zone everybody, though, but they especially did it against the Raptors. I'm curious to see if that becomes a thing the Raptors see more often. Now that there's a couple of examples of them really getting stymied by it uh, and how the Raptors adapt to that is going to be fascinating to see, too. We will keep an eye on that storyline for sure. We are going to continue on here and wrap up the show with our dudes of the game, which will be very, very exciting. We've got a couple dudes to shout out from the games over the weekend. We will do that in just one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar who are making the best tasting protein bars money can buy. They are the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar and they have a ton of flavors for you to check out. Lots of different options. They have limited time flavors that appear on the site from time to time. Valentine's Day is coming up soon. That likely means there will be some Valentine's themes flavored for you uh flavors for you to go and check out over at built bar most built bars contain 130 calories four grams of sugar four grams of net carbs and 17 grams of protein contrast that with the usual candy bar that has at minimum 240 calories usually more 30 grams of sugar and dozens of net carbs it's not even a comparison and uh you should definitely go and like find all your secret treat stashes i know i have them and instead of having candy in those or chocolate bars or whatever it might be throw in some built bars you, you can be indulgent without being bad to your body so go and check them out at built.com use the promo code locked 15 to get 15% off your order that's the promo code locked 15 for 15% off at built.com and today's show is brought to you by our friends over at betonline.ag who would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue the march through the nfl playoffs and beyond betonline remains the number one spot for all the sports wagering action for 2022 new year and they've got a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up at today and you can receive a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit just use the promo code locked on all one word to get started from football basketball hockey boxing and ufc right to your favorite vegas casino games don't wait and take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022 bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports bet online is where the game starts all right, we continue on rounding out the show here with the dudes of the game for the weekend games against the Toronto Raptors. And I'm going to go ahead and declare the dude of the game for Friday's game, Big V, was OG Ananobi. He had himself a pretty quiet offensive night, all things told, but he did come around with that big offensive board and dagger bucket to close things out. He was the best rebounder for the team on the night. And I think he just generally did dude stuff throughout the evening. What were your thoughts on OG Ananobi's game on Friday night against the Wizards? Yeah, solid. I mean, I think it was kind of the perfect complementary role that you envisioned for OG. Maybe, you know, not quite the heights of what people thought, you know, when you saw him pulling off those one-on-one moves in preseason <laughs> and thinking, wow, this guy might pop off for, you know, 20 plus points a game. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, we were silly enough to do that. But no, <laughs> I, I think, uh, I, I think uh, if he can settle into uh, that role where, you know, he's the third, maybe at times when Gary's hot, hot the, the fourth option on offense mm-hmm. and then really settle in defensively. Uh, get the ball off the glass. Obviously, that's a big thing for the Raptors with you know the starting lineup that they play, the, the style of basketball that they play in general. Um, you know, we, we've talked quite a bit about his scoring, but I think I think his rebounding could probably level up even more uh, mm-hmm. when you consider you know his strength and his length. Uh, obviously, part of that is how often he's out on the perimeter uh, defending 
the other team's best guy. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought, you know, he, he's someone, I mean, you don't expect his ego to get in the way of anything that's going on with the team. Mm-hmm. Number one priority for him is to win. And I think that was what that game was, right? It was, yeah. it was hey, this is my role tonight and I'm more than happy to play it. Yeah, it's been a bit of an interesting sort of time for OG, I think, because it seems his production is kind of tailing off now that the Raptors are kind of healthy and there's just not the need for him to be like a second or first option like he was kind of at the start of the season. You know, Fred's playing the way he's playing. Siakam has the ball in his his hands a ton. And OG, you know, in many ways, even more so than Scotty, perhaps, is kind of having his role in the offense taken away just a touch. I think they're doing a good enough job of giving him opportunities to do some self-creation out there. He has a couple nice flourishes every single game. It seems he had that beautiful spin move from the nail last night, uh, I think in the first quarter, if I'm not mistaken, or the second quarter. One of the few opportunities they got against that Portland zone that really kind of worked out for them. That was beautiful to see, but yeah, it's been a little bit rickety. The shooting is down. The pull-up shooting, I just think, is something that is not going to come along this season. Um, you know, he, he looks like he's off balance when he's got those pull-up threes going, and you know, he's got a bit of a mid-range bag that he's been going to, but really, I find the best OG is the OG that just kind of realizes he's stronger than everybody else and powers his way to the bucket. Uh, and as like a second side creator, I think that's a really, really nice thing to have on the floor. And so, like, I, I know there's going to be some sort of like, oh, disappointment in OG and his lack of development, quote unquote, towards being that sort of 1A, 1B type star. And I don't think anyone should have expected that was going to be the case, at least this season. It's a long game here. He's still only 24. There's still room to grow. But I do wonder if maybe we're seeing some of the limitations of his on-ball game just because he doesn't quite have like the the verve and the sort of shimmy that a lot of guys have when they have the ball in their hands. Like Pascal, for example, that guy, he's all shimmy. Like that's all he's got is shimmy. And there's just not much of it to OG's game. And that's not a bad thing because OG and his role is like as good a third or fourth sort of role piece you're going to find in an NBA lineup. He just fits perfectly with anybody else. He can play two through five really you can slide him anywhere and he's just like a really really excellent utility player and he's still averaging like 19 a game so um you know i think sort of pump the brakes on the oh is og a bad actually conversation which i'm kind of seeing sprinkled through the timeline these days he's fine and i think you know they're still working him enough in terms of getting him opportunities to expand his bag a little bit that it's not going to be the last we've seen or anything like that of og on ball creator this season i think we'll see more of it the results we'll see but that's kind of the point of this season is to see um let's move ahead to the due to the game for the game against the washington or not the wizard not the wizards it was against the uh the portland trailblazers on sunday blah 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 uh you picked this guy before the podcast uh, uh go into why this player is your due to the game who is it chris boucher for yeah. me, he, he was the only one that really showed up in the first half. Uh, and he's been doing the things that he's been doing for the past month or so, right? And mm-hmm. coming in, providing energy, playing hard. Uh, and when he knocks down those catch-and-shoot threes, it's it's become a bonus. And it, it's something the team really needs, right? And he knocked mm-hmm. down a couple of those uh, early on. And uh, I think, you know, he's emerging as a really solid piece for the Raptors. And... There's an interesting conversation to be had where, you know, has Boucher played, despite, you know, his reemergence, has he played bad enough where you're maybe able to get him again on, you know, a, a fairly reasonable deal? Yeah. Keep rolling the thing forward. 
if you're not able to get you know exactly what you want if you know you look at this team and say yeah you really need boucher on this team right now so mm-hmm. uh, i think that's where he's kind of worth the conversation to which is uh really good for him and yeah i, I think as far as the game was concerned you know let's face it it was what 40 to 15 at one point and if it wasn't for his <laughs> scoring it, it probably could have been 40 to 5 right like <laughs> it was that bad yeah yeah, it was rough, uh, but yeah, Boucher was a nice little source of energy. Again, he's hitting his threes lately, which is nice. And yeah, his future becomes extremely interesting with the deadline just a couple weeks away now. I don't really know how to handicap it. I don't know what the Raptors are going to value here. I, I think they value being competitive and getting into the postseason if they can, and, and I think they value the experience that comes with that. And Boucher being on the team is probably your pathway there, considering the current roster construction. I think the only way at this point you can entertain dealing Boucher is if it's like a roster rebalancing trade that really addresses your big problems in terms of shooting and secondary creation and stuff because he's just been too valuable. And also with the sort of unreliability of Ken Birch's health this season, he becomes even more important, right? If Birch were available and you had Birch and Precious playing, you know, and splitting up the minutes of the five, I think you could probably get away with not having Boucher necessarily. But right now you kind of need him because there's no other production coming off the bench. And so... Yeah, like I don't think at this point you can just flip him for a pick or something like that. That feels like a, you know, a trade that's just a trade to make a trade for asset management purposes. And I don't always think that's the best idea because you have to consider team context in all of that. And yeah, if there's a possibility of bringing him back at a mid-level type deal, kind of at what he's getting paid right now, I think it's worth exploring considering how he's played. And you know, the next couple of weeks will be a little bit more in terms of sample and runtime. But now we're going on two or so months of Boucher playing this well, it's kind of just to be expected at this point. And that's a nice thing for him. That's a nice thing for the Raptors, but it certainly complicates the picture as we head into the trade deadline. Uh, Big V, any last stray observations about this weekend? Uh, You know, the game against the Wizards, I think is going to get lost a little bit because of how much of a stinker it was against the Blazers. And it wasn't a perfect game against Washington or anything like that, but lots of good stuff happened. Scotty Barnes went nuts. That was a blast. Uh, They closed it out in crunch time, which, you know, has been a bit of a, a tricky proposition in the last couple of weeks here against really good teams. The Wizards not quite the level of the Mavericks or the Heat or the Bucks or whatever, but uh, still a, a pretty nice way for them to win that game on Friday. You know, any sort of stray thoughts here before we wrap up? Uh, very little margin for error going forward. Uh, yeah. Just in terms of the stretch coming up, you know, you, you got the Hornets Tuesday, you got the Bulls uh, on the second night of a back-to-back, you got uh in Miami, in Atlanta, uh, against Miami. It's four. It's eight games against the same four teams in some weird order. Yeah. It's a very bizarre scheduling. So, yeah. So yeah, you're going up against you know some tough teams. You're going up against some teams that you're right there in that play and mix with. So, uh, you know, you you can't ha- afford another first half stinker like you did against the Blazers over the next week or two. That's for damn sure. Certainly not. Yeah, Hornets, Bulls, Heat, Hawks, Heat. Bulls, Hawks, Hornets is the next eight games. Uh, could be pretty telling. The deadline is uh, two days, three days after that final game against the Hornets. So lots to be determined in the next eight or so games. We will have it all broken down here on the podcast, of course, for you. And uh, Big V, uh, where can people check out your work? Anything in particular you'd like to plug right now? The usual stuff, Raptors.com, CBC Sports, uh, Complex Canada. And you can follow me on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacobs. 
Hell yeah, you can. You can find me at Woodley Sean. You can subscribe to Rate Review Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. Your second listen of the day should be Locked On Bets. You got the field set for the championship weekend in the NFL. I highly recommend if you're going to throw some money down on those games, you listen to Locked On Bets all week long. As your boy Q and Lee Sterling will have you plugged in and everything you need to know ahead of those big gambling events. And with that, we will wrap up today's show. We'll be back again tomorrow. I think we're going to do a mailbag episode tomorrow, so please get your questions in. You can submit them in the comments under this episode, or I'll put out a prompt on Twitter as well, and you can send them in there. Uh, And so we'll be back with that. And then we got a recap of the Hornets game Wednesday. We've got a couple more games to tee up. We're going to check in with the Heat guys this week as well, ahead of what will surely be another bloodbath between the Raptors and Miami, I believe, on Friday. That's all coming up. This week, thank you so much, as always, for tuning in. We'll talk to you again on Tuesday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.